Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. FM 104. It's Room 104, it's Cormac and Saoirse here and uh, we've talked about this a few, briefly mentioned it a few times on the show and I know some people will find this hard to believe but um, when we talk about you know mental health issues in Ireland and Dublin and all over the world uh, some of the treatments that might come, might not come to the top of your mind would be using things like psychedelics or MDMA to treat mental health and, and different uh, mental health illnesses and it just sounds so completely ridiculous but there's a growing body of research uh, in various different institutions all over the world that are trying to look at the opportunities and the impact positive impact from a clinical setting by the way not going down to someone down the road to get MDMA and treat it yourself but from a clinical uh, setting what the impact of MDMA and psilocybin and different things might be on your mental health now joining us from uh, Australia this evening is someone who is looking into the research and the opportunities that MDMA and psilocybin and those things will have on your mental health. She's an executive director and co-founder of Mind Medicine in Australia. Tanya de Jong joined us now. Tanya, how are you? Good, thank you. It's lovely to talk with you all the way in Dublin. Yeah, we're delighted to have you here because I've seen a few of these articles pop up online about the, the research in various different parts of the world that is suggesting various different uh, psychoactive drugs for, for treatments. But before we maybe chat about that, um, have you seen, uh, like, what is the state of mental health treatments at the moment? And are, are, like, are, is it any better or any worse than what it was, let's say, 10 or 15 years ago? Well, it's, it's far worse. Uh, so we have a mental health epidemic, or some people say pandemic, that, you know, is far worse than the COVID pandemic and, and potentially far more long-lasting and affecting younger people much worse. So, I mean, I can talk about Australia, but these results are, are fairly similar across a lot of Western nations. So, like in Australia, one in five adults had a chronic mental illness before COVID and one in eight were on antidepressants, one in four older people a number of people taking their lives each day. And these figures are set to increase by up to 30% or potentially more as a result of, you know, the lockdowns, uh, people losing their jobs, their businesses, mm. just the fear and uncertainty that is pervading our communities. And it's a, it's a very difficult time for most people. 
as a minor. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's a huge issue in Ireland as well. And, you know, you're giving advice to mm. get out and do some running and jogging and stuff. Now, I find at the moment mm. that I'm finding life very anxious because I think the phases yeah. are starting to, you know, we're, we're, we're opening up the country a little bit uh, slower than I thought we would. And it's not gone back the same. And that makes me anxious. But and I have been exercising and yeah. I still feel anxious. But what have you found mm. uh, in your studies? Well, I mean, we're just finding that more and more people are, are feeling anxious and we're having an increasing mental illness um, incidents right across the population and there's really been no innovation in treatment for mental illness for over 50 years. So antidepressants, you know, were originally innovated about 50 years ago and the general treatments for depression and anxiety are antidepressants. For post-traumatic stress disorder, the treatments are even less effective. Like for antidepressants only have a maximum of 35% remission rate for antidepressants actually or psychotherapy. So people are, you know, the majority of people are not getting better from those sorts of treatments. And what we're finding is that psychedelic-assisted therapies, MDMA-assisted therapy and psilocybin-assisted therapy are achieving up to 80% remission rates in a number of recent trials that have been taking place. And that's just after two to three medicine sessions in combination with psychotherapy. But the fact is that people cured, they no longer categorise as having depression or post-traumatic stress disorder post these treatments. And for many people, you know, a diagnosis of depression or PTSD or other mental illnesses is actually, a lot of people see that as a bit of a life sentence. It's like, I'm going to yeah. be stuck with this for the rest of my life. I'm going to be taking, you know, these drugs for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, how, how good is it if people can actually get better and get better quickly and effectively and... Yeah, well, that would be profound for everyone. Right? Do um do we know why? Because you know, someone listening to this is going to hear you know, taking MDMA and psilocybin to treat mental mm-hmm. illness is going to be such a foreign concept to because we, we I suppose mm. we have the dangers and the fears of these drugs bed into us from a very very young age, and obviously from the street they are very mm. dangerous. But what exactly yeah. do these drugs do in the brain that would help people with those different mental illnesses? Yes, well, you know, firstly, just as a word of warning to everyone, I mean, we're not at all suggesting that people go out and take these recreationally. Uh, So we're talking about taking these in medically controlled environments under clinical supervision. What the medicines actually do is, particularly in the case of psilocybin, which is a psychoactive component of magic mushrooms, they're said to bypass what's called the default mode network of our brain, which keeps us stuck in our default patterns and programs, you know, and rigid often for a lot of people suffering from a mental illness, rigid thought patterns, you know, I'm not good enough, life won't work out for me, no one loves me, you know, the sort of things that Mm. go round and round. And what these medicines do is they reconnect our neural pathways, often heal damaged pathways, and then also create new pathways, increasing our neuroplasticity. And really giving us a, a, a new coping strategy and allowing a therapeutic window to open up really as these medicines take effect. They're like an intervention and some people describe them as rebooting or resetting your brain or other people describe them as defragging the, you know, the dodgy hard drive <laughs> that was sort of 
you know, it got stuck yeah. with the same patterns and programs. And then these particular medicines help us to actually cope. And we become agents for our own healing as well. So instead of taking a daily tablet, it's like we become responsible and, and empowered to heal ourselves through the insights that we learn in these treatments. In the case of MDMA therapy, um, that's having enormous success at the moment is in final breakthrough therapy uh, designation with the FDA in phase three trials in the US for treatment of PTSD. And PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is where a patient you know, has a significant trauma or might be multiple traumas. And every time a therapist in a normal therapy tries to talk about the trauma with them, it re-triggers and re-traumatizes the patient. So it's very, very hard to go back, accept the trauma and move forwards with their lives. But with MDMA-assisted therapy, people feel a great sense of love and connection. See their therapists are able to then resolve and accept the trauma that's happened, it doesn't mean forget about it, but it does mean you can move forwards in your life and lead a meaningful, you know, purposeful life, which is something, you know, all of us aspire to. And, and for anyone who's got loved ones out there who's suffering, and there's, you know, so many millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people suffering globally, you know, we just want to see people be able to lead meaningful lives and achieve their potential as human beings without being afflicted yeah. you know for the rest of their lives by mental illness medicines are now being trialed for a range of other conditions so it's not just depression anxiety end of life stress addictions and ptsd but now we're starting to see these medicines being trialed for dementia and alzheimer's anorexia and eating disorders obsessive compulsive disorder and as also a number of trials starting to take, take place for uh, inflammation and also, you know, cluster headaches. And it's really a very fascinating area. And, you know, I think a lot of people might remember that, well, no, we're probably all a bit too young for this. But, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, over 50,000 patients were healed through these medicines. And they were considered the next big thing in psychiatry. I just want to ask, though, like when I think about this, obviously it sounds mm. amazing, but there's a part of me that just worries mm-hmm. that is this kind of a temporary escapism as opposed to fixing the problem? You know, you're kind of having a nearly, not yeah. an outer body experience, but, you know, you're, you're using something to mm. get you out of the crap that you're in instead of dealing with that. No, well, um, I mean, the wonderful thing about the, the trials is they actually show increasing remissions over time. So to give you an example of that, in the phase two trials with patients, 107 patients who are suffering from treatment-resistant PTSD for an average of 18 years, 52% of them went into remission a few weeks after having the three MDMA sessions. And at the 12-month mark, 67% of them were in remission. So this was not some transitory, you know, mind-altered state that, um, you know, they just went into temporarily. This was a state that they went into, which then opened a window for therapy to occur in. And through that therapy, or what's called the integration process, these patients were able to bring the insights and learnings that they received in the altered state they were able to bring those learnings back into their lives and apply them so that they were no longer diagnosed as having PTSD whatsoever. I mean, that's really remarkable because the normal outcome for patients receiving, you know, through emissions, 
for patients with PTSD is, is around about maximum of 20% normally speaking with existing treatments. What exactly happens in uh, like a treatment session with MDMA or psilocybin? Mm-hmm. Is it the same kind of uh, normal counselling session except you're just given a, a pill or some medicine mm-hmm. at the start of it? Well, there's three there's three parts to to actually treatment with these medicines. So the first part is preparation. So, you know, you get to, you know, talk with your therapist. They take you through what's going to happen. You build rapport with your therapist. And then there's the medicine sessions. So in the medicine sessions, you, you get given the medicine. And in the case of psilocybin, you go into a, an altered state. So actually, you know, the therapist doesn't do that much during that session because the patient is you know, in another dimension. In the case of MDMA, though, the therapists have a a significant role in the medicine sessions because a lot of things may come up and the idea is, you know, to help the patient to move through and forward from the trauma. And so that's, you know, a very significant and important work that takes place with the therapist. But the most important aspect of any of these particular processes is the integration process. And that takes place after the medicine sessions. And there's usually a number of sessions of integration post these medicine treatments. And that's where patients work with the therapist to then bring the insights back into their lives and, and their work and their families and, you know, yeah. so that they can actually change. And there's this incredible window of change that opens up post taking these medicines in medically controlled environments. Again, I reiterate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not, a, not down with your friends after a rave doing it somewhere in the field and kind of going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm cured. No. It's like, no, yeah. But I suppose that, that's, uh, that's uh, what such a big association is. And I think um, a lot of people would still be very nervous about even going down this route. So, like, why back in the 50s and 60s, I remember kind of reading this, as you mentioned, mm. these drugs were yeah. hugely potential and, like, what was it, the summer of love in the 60s and all that stuff, right? But why was there a sudden... Uh, kind of like stop to that research and why are we only getting back into it now? Yeah, well, that, that was, a, that, I mean, that's a terrible tragedy, really, for humanity. So basically what happened was in 1970, President Nixon had, had his war on drugs and basically made all these drugs illegal, except for alcohol and cigarettes and so on, which actually, if you look at any research on relative drug harms, you'll find that harm to self and harm to others is highest with alcohol and cigarettes and not that far behind either. And whereas down the bottom end of the scale, regarded as the most safest and non-toxic are psilocybin and MDMA. So basically what happened was that, you know, there was all these anti- war demonstrations going on for the Vietnam War and, you know, he couldn't stop people protesting. So what he did was rounded up all the, the leaders of, of these groups and basically he, he attacked the, the medicines or the drugs as he saw them. And there's actually comments from his advisors saying, did we know we were lying about the drugs? Yes, of course we did. So this was an act of politics, it wasn't an act of science. In fact, many people, including Professor David Nutt, who's the head of neuropsychopharmacology at Imperial College in London, who's one of our ambassadors and one of the leaders in this space globally, says that this is the worst example of censorship of science and medical treatment in the history of humanity. And if you think about those 50 lost years from 1970 to 2020, we've seen this massive spike of mental illness, depression, loneliness, social 
isolation and disconnection. And imagine if these medicines might have been available through this period. You know, we might not be looking at these terrible statistics and, you know, so many lives lost and lives just not being able to be lived at their fullest because of this one act of censorship. <laughs> that stopped everything and and at that time of course all research funding pretty much stopped so it's just uh, there's just been a renaissance in the last 10 to 15 years and there's been some 120 current or completed trials just in the last few years and they're the ones that are showing these incredible remission rates but this is no great surprise to scientists who were around in the 50s and 60s and some of whom are still around because they saw those results back then as well but of course now we have even and better tools and you know we have amazing scans and other things that can really start to map the brain and we can see just how effective these treatments are compared to existing treatments. Uh, when do you think that this could be mm. something that people could avail of? So there's a number of answers to that question. The first is that MDMA for PTSD is likely to be prescribable in the US in potentially 18 months because MDMA is in final stage of trial supervised by the FDA at the moment and psilocybin could follow soon after that. Psilocybin's in phase 2b trials at the moment. But in addition to that, in many countries around the world there's special access or expanded access schemes for compassionate use. Psychiatrists basically to apply for patients on a case-by-case basis where they've run out of treatment options for the patient. So the patient has tried, you know, usually at least a couple of antidepressants or other treatments and, and the treatment hasn't worked and the patient is, you know, at risk. And in that circumstance, psychiatrists can apply to the regulators in specific countries to treat those patients and and those schemes are available for MDMA and psilocybin in uh, Switzerland, the US, Israel, I think Canada just about and actually um, in Australia as well. We have uh, an expanded access scheme as well for medicinal cannabis and that started off pretty slowly like just with a few cases per month but now there's over 4,000 approvals going through each month. That's before the medicines are prescribable on the PBS or the pharmacy benefit scheme. There are ways to make sure that these medicines can become available sooner in medically controlled environments and I encourage you all to, uh, to look for those. Well, um, so there's a, we could, I think we could talk for hours on this subject because it's so fascinating and so <laughs> interesting and it's, yeah. and it's it's so complex yeah. to see where, you know, where it's come from and how now something we would have associated mm. with street drugs and, and uh, you know, various different illicit activities are now moving into psychotherapy mm. and moving into good, more, I suppose, useful um, and helpful areas as well. So um, we unfortunately, we'll have to wrap mm. it up there. But um, for anyone who wants to continue to see some of the research that you guys are doing over in the... Uh, yeah. Wine Medicine Australia, where would be the best place to find you online? Well, no, definitely. So have a look at mindmedicineaustralia.org.org. So we're a registered charity and people can support us as well. And I guess the last thing I just say to everyone out there is, you know, the rates of suffering are so high and it's unacceptable when there's treatments that are available to withhold those from patients who are suffering. So we all need to do everything that's possible to make sure the treatments that are effective and safe become available, you know, sooner rather than later, I guess. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Uh, perfect message to leave that on. Listen, Tanya okay. DeYoung, for Executive Director, Co-Founder, Mind Medicine Australia. Thanks a million for speaking with us this evening. No, it's a pleasure. And um, please reach out to us, any of you listening out there. 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.